Hello and welcome to the May edition of In Conversation With, the monthly podcast from The Lancet Global Health. I'm Zoe Mullen. This month I'm talking to the lead author of our latest commission, Financing Primary Healthcare, Putting People at the Centre. Cara Hansen is Professor of Health System Economics and Dean of the Faculty of Public Health and Policy at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine in the UK. Welcome, Cara. Thank you very much, Zoe. It's a real pleasure to be here. So this commission takes on the challenging subject of financing for primary healthcare, or PHC. Can you begin by telling us what sparked the commission uh, and what approach you took to addressing this challenge? You might remember that in 2018, we had the 40th anniversary of the Ama-Asha Declaration. And I think that kind of spurred a, a renewed interest and attention to primary health care as the foundation of health systems. And there's, there's a lot written about PHC organization and delivery, but really very much less about financing. So that's what really appealed to me as, you know, as a health economist who works on, on health system financing and, and health system organization. But I was really interested in thinking about what's specific about financing PHC uh, and whether it's different in any way from the broader principles of health system financing and to locate this in the wider conversation about financing for universal health coverage. So on the one hand, we wanted to explore the specifics of financing PHC, but at the same time, we wanted to avoid placing PHC in, a, in its own financing silo. We don't want to think about financing a PHC program like we might think about financing you know, disease-based programs. Um, so we wanted to explore how should we think about financing a platform for delivering care. Um, and then by financing, I mean not just how much money is being raised and Use, but also how it's spent. And so that was the, the series of, of issues that we explored through the Commission, thinking both how do you mobilize revenue, how do you allocate it to PHC, and how do you make sure that it's spent well. So one of the first things the Commission tackles is the actual definition of primary care. Can you tell us a bit about why that's an issue from a financing perspective and what definition you pinned down for the purposes of the Commission's work? So if we go back to Ama-Ata, the vision of primary health care is broad and it's multi-sectoral. And I, I guess we would start by acknowledging and accepting this vision of primary health care. Um, and then within that, there's lots of different ways that others have conceptualized PHC. Some think of it as a framework, some think of it as a coordination mechanism or a level of care, or even sometimes a set of interventions. But when we think about this from a financing perspective, we're talking about how money flows from budgets and who you need to influence to secure a greater share of the budget for PHC. So, uh, so the first kind of limits we had to place on our definition was that we were really focused on the health sector. That's not to say that the contributions of WASH and education and, and many other sectors aren't important, but we really wanted to focus on the health budget part of that. Um, and then we also wanted to think, well, we had to think about how money actually flows through the health system to PHC. So money doesn't flow to interventions. Money flows to, to a healthcare delivery platform. And that can, uh, in the case of PHC, we're talking about the community level and that 
first level of contact with the healthcare system, also to potentially up as far as, as outpatient services at first level hospitals. So our preferred definition takes this platform approach, which allows us to ask this question, how can we increase funds for this platform? What are the financing tools or policy levers that can be used to secure allocations of resources for these platforms? Um, as opposed to others, you know, say for hospitals, we're interested in that, you know, that PHC platform. Um, but also, how do we use financing tools to protect those resources till they reach that platform? Um, I would say we're not just interested in primary care, we're also including the financing of community delivery platforms. And also, uh, some, um, there are some parts of the essential public health functions that are delivered through those platforms as well. So that would fall inside our definition of the platform. Great. So once you had this definition, you were able to harmonise um, existing data reported by WHO and the OECD to firstly illustrate the current financing landscape, um, and you've and you've looked at ninety five countries worldwide. What what did you find there? So uh, just to start a little bit with that issue of data. So we based our analysis on the WHO. PHC expenditure data that's part of the global health expenditure database that's produced annually by WHO. And we were particularly interested in government spending on PHC because that's what we're trying to influence. And we wanted to get a broad picture you know, across, uh, across the world of what PHC spending looks like. So we did have to manipulate those data in a couple of ways. Uh, the first is we had to map on to, we had to use the, the OECD database to extract um, government expenditure for a wider set of countries. And then we also chose to exclude uh, the, the um, spending on the administration of PHC, not because we don't think that you know, administration and management is important, but we didn't feel that it's really that helpful as a way of understanding what's actually being spent on PHC. It's kind of constructed by assumption. So we found three main things from this data set that we constructed using these, these manipulations. The first was the very low level of government spending. So we found that in low-income countries, governments spend on average $3 per capita on PHC. And that is really far below any of the standard benchmarks for assessing the adequacy of PHC spending. The second, we found uh, that uh, particularly in low and lower middle income countries, that there's a very high reliance on out-of-pocket payments. And interestingly, that this out-of-pocket payment share is higher for PHC than it is for non-PHC services. And then the third finding from that was the high degree of fragmentation of, um, of PHC spending. So we find that individuals paying out of pocket, their largest share of that spending is on medicines, and it's called medical products, but it's really, it really is medicines. Um, that governments are spending their PHC spending mostly on curative care, and that external funders um, who are a more important source of care in low-income countries are spending mostly on prevention. So you have this very fragmented system, different sources, and not necessarily coming together in, in a coherent way. Mm, so, so you mentioned those um, those different sources and and, and the massive um, um, spending out by by patients out of their own pockets. And so the Commission's recommending that pooled funds should be used uh, instead and that PHC services should be free at the point of care. Um, can you just explain for the non-specialists what you mean by pooling and, and what introducing or expanding that means for governments? Hmm. So pooling is bringing together 
contributions of funding that are paid in advance, either in the form of taxes or insurance contributions, rather than at the time people are ill. And that has two advantages. One is that um, it means that people, when they, if you can, um, if you can use those pooled funds to purchase primary health care, it means that people aren't having to pay at the time they're sick. So they're not facing that burden of, um, of paying for care, which we know can be um, substantial and potentially catastrophic in terms of people's livelihoods and well-being. The other thing that pooling gives you is the opportunities to cross-subsidize because you're looking at, at contributions across whole populations and you're able to um, enable cross-subsidy between those who are lucky enough not to be sick in a given period and those who do fall ill. But also, as long as your contributions are somehow progressive so that the, you know, the rich are paying more than the poor, then you also have the opportunity to cross-subsidize between rich and poor. So the more you're able to rely on these pooled sources rather than out-of-pocket payments, the more you can protect households from costs at the time they're ill. All countries have some pooled spending. Like I can't think of a single country that doesn't have, you know, that relies entirely on out-of-pocket spending. Um, and that pooled spending mostly comes from, from taxes or from insurance. But low-income countries tend to have a much higher reliance on out-of-pocket payments. And there's this empirical irregularity in, uh, in health spending in general that uh, as countries get richer, they shift away in terms of the composition of their spending away from out-of-pocket payments to these pooled sources. Um, relating this to PHC, a key message from the Commission is that pooling arrangements should cover PHC. Um, we often think about catastrophic healthcare events resulting from, um, you know, conditions that require admission in tertiary hospitals. But actually, the accumulation of lots of small healthcare payments, like you might have to incur for primary care, can also be catastrophic, particularly if the case of you have, um, if you have a chronic condition or long-term condition. And so our message is that the pooling arrangements that countries should, uh, are introducing shouldn't just cover hospital care, they should also cover primary care. Got it. Absolutely. Uh, and and so that covers the sort of um, the funding arrangements. But another a major area of the Commission's focus is, is how these pooled funds are then used to pay the providers to actually deliver PHC services. So c can you briefly summarise the, the main payment mechanisms used currently and why the Commission recommends that countries walk to work towards a, a blended system? with a population-based or, or capitation component at the core of it. So when you've got your pooled funds, you have to find some way of transferring those funds to providers. And that's what we mean by provider payment mechanisms. Um, and there's really four, four main ways that um, providers are paid for services. The most common um, in, um, in low and lower middle income countries is uh, it's government budgets that are determined by input. So you get a salary budget and a drugs budget and an electricity budget. Um, a second way of paying is paying for individual services, so a fee for service. The more services you provide, the more income that you get. Um, you can also pay for performance, so you can have payment contingent on reaching certain coverage standards. Uh, and the last way is to pay for people, um, so to pay an amount per person that's served. Uh, we call that capitation. 
here in the United Kingdom, that's how our GPs, that's the core of the GP payment system, is it? When you register with your GP, uh, that GP requires a sum of money to look after you for the year. And their budget is made up of this, those sums that they receive for the entire registered population or enrolled population. So capitation is particularly attractive as a way of paying for a PHC, partly from equity grounds. It starts with an equal amount per person. The base is something that's, that's equitable. You can then adjust that payment by um, uh, paying extra for, for uh, populations that have higher needs or higher risks. Um, and it's also because the, the fund holder holds a budget for the whole population, um, it also tends to encourage and incentivize you know, health promotion and health maintenance. But it does have some downsides. And so when we talk about a blended payment mechanism, what we mean is a system that has capitation at its core, but uses other, pro other provider payment mechanisms to make up for some of the disadvantages of capitation. One of those is particularly under-provision. And so um, you might, for example, have a under provision of services. So you might have uh, extra payments for services that are, are particularly important from a public, public health point of view. So um, you know, in the UK, again, we have um, our GPs get extra payments for cervical screening and for vaccination services, so things that are really priority services. You can pay extra for those on a fee-for-service basis or on a performance-based basis. Uh, so that uh, this system that we're advocating is one that has capitation at its core, but uses a blend of these other mechanisms to make up for those shortcomings. It can seem really daunting. It seems really complex, doesn't it? And that's um, you know, one of the ideas that we explore in the report is what a trajectory towards a more complex payment system might look like. And you can start with a really simple thing. You can start with a per capita allocation. And then as information systems and finance systems become more sophisticated, you can um, gradually add bits into that system. So you end up with, uh, over time, with a... Um, with a blended system. But we're really keen that, um, that national governments in, in low-income countries or in low-capacity countries realize that you don't have to go straight to blend. You can actually start with some very early steps to introduce a population-based funding mechanism to help create those incentives to use resources efficiently and effectively and in ways that meet patients' needs. Right, and I think it's that 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 focus on the patient isn't it that's behind the whole commission it's the it's the equity component it's thinking about how all these different um components of financing um are sort of centered around um around people rather than than stuff and um and any other way you might might want to phrase it um but finally the commission puts quite an emphasis on the political context of financing reform um, recognizing that you know, practically speaking, no amount of technical knowledge or philosophical principles around equity um, can make up for a sound understanding of any country's political, social and economic realities. So can you speak to this complex area a little bit and, and summarize the advice um, of the Commission? So if you think back to our project, our project is to get governments to spend more on PHC. That is necessarily going to be political. It's going to involve uh, a reallocation of expenditure, either in absolute terms or as shares of budgets, if budgets are growing. That's going to create winners and losers. So that's why we really um, and that's why we really recognise that there, there are political challenges across all of the financing functions. So 
raising more money for the health sector is a political project. You know, it involves you know, increasing taxes or interest, increasing contributions in some way. Changing the allocation so that PHC gets uh, a greater share is also going to be prioritizing PHC at the expense of other parts of the system and, and particularly um, at, at the expense of higher parts of the, health, of the health system. And even changing provider payment mechanisms is going to involve some redistribution of resources. There will be winners and losers there as well. And, 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 uh, and thinking about how do you um, how do you recognize and, and manage um, changes in the, the politics of changing provider payment is important too. So what does this mean in practice? It means that this is a it's a project that requires some pretty um, careful navigation and some politically astute analysis. Um, and that requires you know, the political skills of communicating a vision, of keeping your eye on the prize and thinking about the direction of travel and making sure that you know, things will always happen to you know, send you off track a bit. But by having a, a clear purpose and a clear mission, it's possible to navigate those, um, those political currents. Um, but also recognizing when compromises are needed and which compromises don't sabotage or, or compromise the, you know, the, the broader purpose. The other political skills of managing stakeholders and of, of bringing people on board um, and managing their interests. Um, the other part of this, about this, the, the political and social and economic nature of this project is that the, the opportunities will be specific to each country and the process of transformation will be specific to each country. And so national leaders really need to find the language to communicate their vision and then be able to use the opportunities that present themselves to, um, to be able to direct resources differently in their health systems. That's great. And so I think the Commission really nicely forms a, a framework for how each country could potentially go about doing that, um, you know, rather than kind of trying to dictate a one size fits all approach. Um, so thank you very much for, for outlining that. That's, it's a very you know, deep, rich document, and I'd encourage all listeners to, to actually read it in full. Um, but, but that is a, a great summary of the main takeaways, I think. But if there's one key message, or maybe two or three, that you would like us uh, to take away from this, Cara, what, what would that be? Okay, so you guessed that it'd be more than one. I have three key messages. One is that countries need to spend more on primary health care. That means increasing their allocations to PHC and using all of the, the budget and purchasing and service delivery tools that they need to protect these allocations so that those resources actually get to the, those PHC platforms that we talked about at the beginning. But the second is that countries need to spend better as well. So thinking carefully about how the provider payment systems that they use create incentives and ensuring that those incentives are ones that direct providers to use their resources equitably and efficiently and effectively. And the third is that technical solutions are not enough. These need to be uh, informed by a political strategy because ultimately this, this redirection of finances towards PHC is a political undertaking and, and the technical strategies need to be underpinned by this, this political thinking. That's great. Well, thank you again uh, for that, Cara. Um, um, do go and read the, the commission, everyone. We wish it uh, a successful afterlife. Um, these commissions aren't one-off publications. We hope they will not sit on a shelf. They will actually be used and we will ret return to them in years to come. But thank you very much for talking to us this afternoon, Cara.